Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. I'm here with my sister Erica and we'll be talking all about cancer season and how you can make the most of this energy. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're your hosts, the Mystic Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Queen of Cups, which is a cancer season card. The Queen of Cups is a person who prioritizes pleasure, going to art shows, concerts, and social events, and surrounding themselves with beautiful, luxurious things. But this is not a selfish person. They love to share and they love to take care of others. They are very generous and loving. They are in touch with their emotions and empathetic or receptive to other people's emotions. So Erica, do you have a story related to the Queen of Cups? I do. The Queen of Cups is a strong figure related to empathy, tenderheartedness. They're emotionally aware and compassionate. And, you know, in, in this case, sometimes I'm my own Queen of Cups. I am an empath through and through. I am very much aware of people's emotions and can feel that change uh, on a dime. Like it just, if somebody is happy and then suddenly they're sad, like I pick up on it instantly. Uh, The one time that it came to, that I can think of most recently is I was watching uh, Star Trek with my friend Kim And she was happy and enjoying it. And we were laughing. And then suddenly she was looking at her phone. And I just felt this like wave of uncomfortableness coming off of her. And I was like, her, so her boyfriend had been there down with us watching the show with us. And then he left abruptly. And then that's when her mood changed. And I felt it almost instantly. And I turned to her and I was just like, hey, where did Chris go? And turns out he had gone up outside and they were having some sort of little lover spat. And I don't really know the specifics of it. But later Kim's like, how did you know? How did you know something was wrong so quickly? And I was like, I just felt it. And it really, it feels like these waves of energy that um, are, you know, it feels like a heat It feels like um, adrenaline rushing through your veins. And so one of the things that I've been trying to work on, because in the past I've let those feelings just completely overtake me. And I've been reading this book. It's called um, Empaths, A Complete Guide for Developing Your Gift. And it's by Judy Dyer, D-Y-E-R. And it's been really helpful for me to be able to put up those boundaries of like feeling the empathic power, but not letting it change my current state. Um, So I highly recommend that book. Do you have a story? Yeah, I have a story. So I have been learning about my emotions and trying to figure out what their names are and what, and actually experiencing 
emotions, you know, letting them run their course instead of suppressing them or, or putting them in a box. And so I've, I've, always, I've actually been kind of afraid of the Queen of Cups because she is so, you know, in touch with her emotions and she understands them. And since I don't relate to that, I feel like I don't, um, I don't relate to that card very well. So that's kind of my experience with the Queen of Cups is just like not really understanding it. But I do feel like I've gotten better at understanding my emotions in the sense that I can at least name them and I understand what they're called when they come up and I know how to deal with them a lot better than I have in the past. So I do feel like I'm getting closer to understanding what it's like to be a Queen of Cups, uh, but I do still I still have a hard time kind of relating to that card. Naming the emotion is always the hardest step, I think. Yeah. So hearing about other people who are empaths like you are, um, I think I think I do pick up on other people's emotions, but since I don't understand them, I don't know what's mine and what's other people's. So I'm still trying to figure out that boundary that you were talking about of um, how to not only protect myself from picking up other people's emotions, but also understanding when it's someone else's or when it's mine. I remember the first time that I kind of became aware of this impact power was with my ex just leaving the house one morning and it was had just been a really emotional morning and getting in my car and being upset and being like that's not my emotion I'm not feeling upset um and just kind of letting that emotion go because it wasn't it wasn't mine to have right and um and so I think that that's that's really important to be able to separate your emotions from other people's. Yeah. And I think that's what the queen of cups is really good at teaching us. And that's why I like doing this practice is, you know, really focusing in on where you're seeing these cards in your daily life and how you are relating to them and how you are still learning to be like them or um, notice them. So now let's get into our main topic for this week, which is actually to just talk about cancer season in general and the energy of the cancer sign. And the reason that we call it cancer season is because the sun is currently traveling through the cancer sign. Now, if you look up at the stars, you might notice that the sun is actually not in the cancer constellation, but that's because we we are using the tropical zodiac system, which determines the zodiac season based on the equinoxes and the solstices. So cancer season begins at the summer solstice. And since the time of the ancient Babylonians and the ancient Greeks, this, the position of the earth in space has transitioned slightly. So the constellations don't line up with where they were when they were determined all those years ago. But with the tropical system, we still use the equinoxes and the solstices and not the stars in the sky. So what do you know about cancer? Well, I know that cancer is something of a contradiction. Cancer is assertive and a self-starter and the go-getter, but they're also intuitive feeling and nurturing. They are led by their emotions and they are highly attached to the emotional roots of the past. They live for nostalgia and they are very sensitive. Yeah. And that's, and with cancer, their main purpose is about 
building a family, whatever a family means to you, and um, figuring out how to feel secure in a domestic situation, so in your home life. So it's very family-oriented. And again, family can be different from one person to another. Um, but cancer is super protective. So it's always going to fight to protect its own. And that you, that's where we get that crab imagery of cancer, which has this like hard outer shell and the soft innards because it's very caring and nurturing, but it's going to, you know, show you some claws if you mess with them or their family. Yeah. I loved it when you related cancer to Molly Weasley. Yeah, exactly. Molly Weasley is like totally cancer, especially when you think of that scene in Harry Potter where um, Jenny is threatened, the youngest daughter, and Molly says, not my daughter, you bitch. And then she kills Bellatrix. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, all the other times she's just like this little homemaker witch with not a fight her body. And then all of a sudden this like crab like instinct just like snap 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 comes out of her that we've never seen before so yeah or, or just like little inklings of it like when the twins and ron brought harry back from private drive and mm-hmm. she's really mad at the twins and ron but she's like but harry dear would you like some breakfast so she's yeah, like showing exactly. that contradiction yeah. <laughs> exactly so yeah molly weasley is like totally cancer energy So Erica and I have come up with five ways to make the most of cancer season. And the first way is to check in with your family. So again, cancer is all about, you know, that domestic life, your parents particularly, or your guardians, whoever raised you. And so it's a lot about reflecting on your childhood home. And then it's also about reflecting on your current home. So, um, you know, if you don't have family nearby, or if you're or family at all, then whatever you consider your family and checking in with that unit. Yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind that while we, you know, cancer talks a lot about, you know, the the roots to their past, sometimes our past isn't so great. And so it might not be helpful to be able to check in with your childhood home when, and when, and it really, what it's about is checking in with um, your found family, your blood family, whoever it is that you are close with that you consider your group, your people. Yeah. And um, using what you've learned in your childhood, whether that was a happy childhood or a painful childhood, using that as a thing to learn from to create a family unit in your present and in your future that will be healthy and happy for you um, as you go forward. So that leads us right into number two, which is about letting go of your insecurities and your fears and your limits. So cancer energy is symbolized by the crab for a good reason. The hard shell protects the very soft, squishy, vulnerable innards. So if you're feeling more sensitive than usual, you know, try to find out where that's coming from. What's the root? Why are you feeling this way? What's that place of insecurity or fear? And kind of let those down those defenses and let that hard shell come off just a little bit. Yeah. And then figuring out where those things are coming from. If it's, if it's a legitimate insecurity or if it's coming from something that's maybe harmful and not not helpful to you in any way. So if it's coming from a place of fear or a place of being possessive, that's kind of a common trait of cancer 
is feeling really possessive over the people who are close to you and not wanting them to expand into other family units. It's okay to let down your defenses and be a little bit squishy <laughs> and uh, let go of those insecurities. Yeah. One of the insecurities that I have um, is related to money. And that comes from my early adult life not having enough money. And so now I'm in a really good place. I've got uh, two roommates that help me with my bills. We are very equitable with the way that we um, price things out. And we have um, a lot of expenses coming out this month and in future months. We need to change our landscape. We need to replace our HVAC system and we have to paint the house. And all of this has to be done done in the summertime. All of this has to be done in cancer season. And I'm sitting here feeling like I'm hemorrhaging this money, but I know that I'm not. Um, so what, what is related back to this cancer season is that I allowed myself to be vulnerable with my family that I live with and said like, I'm feeling really triggered. I know that I'm safe. I know that I'm supportive, but I'm feeling it. And I just need time to process it so that I can understand where that's coming from and why. Yeah. So really honing in on that insecurity, but and acknowledging it is really important. And then figuring out how you can, you know, help yourself so that you don't feel that way. <laughs> do what you need to do to not feel the insecurity because it's not comfortable. So so the third thing to do during cancer season is to connect with your cozy, nurturing side. And this energy of cancer season, if you think about Molly Weasley, it's just like a big hug from a mom or a mother figure. And so I always, I drink tea pretty much year round, even though I live in Florida and it's hot as heck. Um, but, you know, I'm always drinking warm beverages, but I know it's summer. And so warm beverages might not be what you want. So just fixing yourself something that makes you feel comfortable and then like wrapping yourself in blankets. Again, it's hot. So doing whatever makes you feel like you're safe and cozy and um, all of that. Hey, Maggie, do you know about the Danish concept of Huga? I do, but you tell me. So this is exactly what Huga is all about. And there is no English translation, but it's basically just like coziness. It, it just means being cozy. It means that Christmas feeling of being wrapped in blankets and everything is just snuggly and happy. You know, the Danes are like the the most, uh, they purchase the most candles in, in the year for any country in the world. I don't know. I could give them the run for their money. I bet. <laughs> I'm sure you could, I've got it to do, but the, the, the whole concept of, um, being warm and being with family and eating good food and drinking good drinks and, taking baths and playing games and all of those things. That's just what Huga is. And that's what cancer energy is all about. Exactly. So doing all of that, being really comfortable in, and again, whatever that means to you. Uh, I also include in this, like maybe taking a bath or taking a shower because there's that water energy that's related to cancer season. Um, or, you know, going swimming, going to a swimming pool is maybe not cozy, but you get wrapped up in water like you're I don't know, wrapped in water. <laughs> yeah. I have a mom friend who, uh, she told me that she has an adage that she uses with her kids when they're fighting or upset. She says, I either send them outside or I put them underwater. 
And, <laughs> and at first I was like, what do you mean you put them underwater? And she's like, I mean, I, you know, they take a bath or I, you know, take a shower or something like that. But it really is true. It's this, this flooding of, um, and of the water energy from either the bath or the shower just is just a calming sensation. It just, it's, it's yeah. like the womb it's like, you know, it's all of these things. Um, so the, the going outside is about getting that vitamin D, getting the, the sunshine healing or putting them underwater so that you can get the water healing. Yeah. And that like brings us back to the queen of cups, like what you were talking about with being an empath, an empath is getting that wave of emotions. Um, instead of, you know, you can calm the wave of emotions with a wave of actual water, you know, let the water wash over you. And I always say like, I have such a hard time making myself take a shower just because of, you know, executive dysfunction. Mm -hmm. I always say like, when I'm not in the shower, the shower is the bad place. But as soon as I get in, I'm like, no, it is the dry place that is the bad place. So it's, it's really calming <laughs> once you get into that. So I feel like that's really a cozy place to be. Yeah. Well, before we go on to the other ways uh, to make the most of cancer season, I would love to talk about our herb of the week. Oh, that sounds good. So which, which herb is this episode brought to us by Erica? This episode is lemon balm. Can you say it again, but I'll put a real sound over it. <laughs> this episode is lemon balm. Yay. So how about you share the medicinal properties and uses of lemon balm, and then I'll come in with some magical properties and uses. Awesome. Sounds good. So lemon balm, uh, its Latin name is Melissa officinalis. And the reason we want to use the Latin name is because that's the only plant that will come up with that name. Um, and it, so it's very specific to this plant that we're talking about. It's also called, called just Melissa or bee balm or sweet balm. And it's part of the mint family, the lem. I'm going to say this wrong. Lamiaceae family. So all of your mints are going to be part of that family. Where we you have found it or where it originated was in the Mediterranean um, European countries. And then it was brought to North America by all of the colonists. And it um, is great for any kind of potpourri um, as a tea in honeys, or um, it, you can substitute it for lemon in any kind of jams and jellies because it really does have a very pungent lemony smell and taste to it. It's fabulous. The parts that we use are the leaves and um, in medicinal uses that we have, we can use it as a nervine. And so basically this is any plant that works on the nerves um, and it's very calming. Um, you can use it as a sedative. You can use it as a mild antidepressant. So those are kind of the um, neurological ways that it's used. It's also used to uh, reduce muscle spasms as an antispasmodic. So if you're having, you know, a sore arm from working in the garden for too long, you can drink some lemon tea and or lemon balm tea and it'll help. It's not as good as like an aspirin, but if it's just like this mild pain, it, it can help. 
And then it also is a great antiviral and antioxidant. So I know it's used a lot that's coming from that lemon piece of it. So it's great to put in household cleaners, um, any kind of disinfectant. Uh, It's great in bug spray because mosquitoes hate anything lemon. That's why citronella comes from citrus, which is lemon. (laughs) It's good for other conditions like asthma, fevers, migraines, vertigo, sometimes menstrual problems, insects bites, skin infections, all sorts of wonderful things. It's usually done in a tea, but I think that you can make a salve from it as well. It's also great for aromatherapy. I like putting lemon balm in my diffuser, so that makes sense. Yeah. Well, those all sound like great uses for a lemon balm. I'll, t- I'll share some magical uses now. Um, so lemon balm is a cancer herb. And it's also associated with the moon. The moon rules over cancer. So that makes sense. Lemon bulb is also associated with Jupiter, the planet Jupiter. And therefore, the elements associated with lemon balm are fire and water. So there's that Jupiter and the moon. It is a passive energy versus an active energy. And so it's used in more receptive settings, which makes sense also because it's the moon um, versus the sun, which would be more active. You can use lemon balm for all sorts of different spells and rituals, uh, particularly with like love, with success spells, healing, and um, as as well as psychic or spiritual development in general. And so one way that you can use lemon balm is to add it to a love charm or spell. So if you make like a, a little satchel and add lemon balm with other love ingredients, And this can be used to help you to attract a partner that will be um, loving and caring. You can also use it, again, for healing spells and rituals, and particularly those that involve mental healing. So if you have any sort of mental health needs, lemon balm can help to ease those uh, in a spell. Um, And since lemon balm grows so quickly, it's often added to spells as a way to make those spells work faster. So it's like a quickening or a quickening agent for a spell. Uh, I don't know if you've ever grown lemon balm, but it quickly takes over a garden. So it's as a mint. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And as I mentioned before, it's helpful with any sort of mental health issues. And that is because it takes away the the darkness that might be clouding your mind. Um, It's that bright, sunny energy of like a lemon so it can make it, it can make you feel more cheerful or it can be used in a cheer, cheerful spell. Um, it also has that really bright fragrance that can help with that feeling. You could add it to a cleansing bath or something like that. So I, I like to put herbs like this in a little satchel as if I'm making like a tea and then add that to the bath so that I'm not floating or they're not the leaves aren't floating around with me they're just in there with me because I don't like it when they stick to my skin um, but you could also add essential oil to your um, like Epsom salts or something and make it a bath bath salts with lemon balm since it's associated with the moon it's a common additive to moon water so if you set your moon out or your moon water out or if you set your water out at the full moon you make moon water and then you can add lemon balm to it 
to enhance that moon energy. And since Erica mentioned that it's the also called bee balm, if you're doing any sort of spells associated with bees or helping pollinators or anything like that, then you might add lemon balm to that ritual to help with pollination. Yay, the bees. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the uses that I use it for. Um, anything else we want to talk about with lemon balm? I think that's it. All right. So let's go back to cancer season. The fourth way to make the most of cancer season, which is to reflect on your goals and recommit to them. And the reason that we thought of this one is because we're about halfway through the year. A lot of people will set resolutions at the new year during Capricorn season because the polar sign to cancer season is Capricorn. And Capricorn is all about ambition and setting goals. And so it comes at the perfect time to set new year's resolution. By the time we get to the middle of the summer, though, we might not be as committed to those goals. And so we thought this would be a good opportunity to look at them again, think about those goals that you might have set at the beginning of the year and see if they're still valuable, if there's something that you still want to do. And if not, maybe set new goals that are more aligned with what you want out of life. Yeah, it's I again, executive dysfunction. Um, it's really hard to stick to a goal. And sometimes you totally forget though, all about what you had planned to do with your year. And so I think it's really good to just kind of reflect and recommit and if not, let go. Yeah, exactly. So this is a good chance to do that. And, you know, sometimes in the summer, there's just like so many fun summer activities you want to do that those goals you had at the beginning of the year might just not matter as much or feel as important yeah and with the Capricorn it's it's the external aspect of your goals and cancer is the more internal because it's the home life versus like the career or the public life in Capricorn um so it's also a good way to sort of balance those two areas of life you're Mm -hmm. it's the way to have it all you can be a homemaker and a career woman or man (laughs) right well and I you know just thinking back on I actually kind of did it the opposite this year when I, when it was January and we were in Capricorn season, I was really focused on like getting my home together. You know, I just moved in November. And so it was, it was all about um, my home and my internal life. And then now we're in cancer and I just started a new job. And so it's all about being good at my new job and showing off and proving that I can do it. So I kind of flipped myself this year. <laughs> well, that that kind of sounds like a good balance of of like using the opposite energy to help you with that goal. Um, yeah. Sometimes we need that. So, yeah. Well, um, it is also very important to take care of yourself. So that's our um, number five is to establish a self-care routine. So you cannot pour from an empty cup. So you have spent half a year already. Huh? What? The queen of cups. <laughs> oh, the queen of cups. <laughs> right. We need a full queen of cups who is um, able to understand her emotions. So we've spent a whole year giving and giving to others. And it's time to think about ourself and our, and revisiting our self-care routine. And I know that I'm terrible at self-care routines. Um, and I am, and it, you know, it might be part of the empath energy, but I 
always think about others first and myself second. And it's something that I'm working on and trying to get better at, but my, my whole identity and who I am is wrapped up in taking care of others. You know, I'm, um, I'm a speech language, speech language pathologist by trade. And um, so I'm, I'm actively caring for others through that way. Uh, And then now with this new job, I'm serving as a supervisor and mentor. So I'm having to care for the assistants that work under me. Um, You know, I take care of my family. I take care of my animals. And there's very little left over for me to take care of myself. But if I'm not caring for myself, then I can't care for everybody else. So yeah, Yeah, that's exactly like the, like you said, you can't pour from an empty cup you have to fill up your cup and the queen of cups has the most ornate of all the cups so to me that that indicates that she is um she is very concerned with her cup (laughs) she (laughs) she thinks it's the most important one and she wants to make sure it's full so um and like you said with the empath like being able to understand other people's emotions you can't do that if you don't have a full cup or you can't even you know, process them or protect yourself from that if you don't have a full cup. So yeah, establishing self-care routines and not, and not just, uh, I think a lot of times self-care is like really focused on, you know, physical um, health more than anything else, but making sure that you're also focused on mental health, emotional health, and spiritual health as well. All different areas of your being as a human being. Pinterest has told us that self-care is taking a bubble bath and, you know, having time by yourself and, um, you know, like these really elaborate routines. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It could be going for a walk. It could be, and for our extroverts out there, the idea of taking a bubble bath is not self-care. You know, it's going out with friends. It's getting a cup of coffee with a, with a group of people. It's, um, you know, now that COVID is starting to, be less stringent, we can actually start doing these things with people again. So, you know, your self-care routine is about yourself. It's what makes you feel better. And it's not what other people deem as the most important thing. Right. Exactly. So, so that's really what it is, is figuring out your self-care routine and what makes you feel cared for overall so that you can care for others and pass it on. So those are five ways that we can make the most of cancer season. I hope this really helps you, dear listener, all five of you, to know what to do with this season. So now we'll give you an assignment based on the lunar cycle. And so if you're listening as these episodes are coming out, then this will apply to you directly. The full moon is all a, is a transition point. So if you look at the lunar cycle in its completeness. We start with the new moon, we have a waxing half, the full moon, and then the waning half and back to the new moon. And so the new moon and the full moon, these are two transition points between growth and decline or decline and growth. So at the full moon, the best thing to do is to uh, celebrate everything that has been created or every every opportunity or um, positive thing that you've seen in your life and 
acknowledge those things, express gratitude for them and have a celebration while also preparing for that decline by thinking about what is what it's time to let go of. So this works with the cancer um, energy that we were just talking about with letting go of those insecurities and things like that. So, so that is the assignment is to your moon magic assignment is to celebrate at least three things that you are really happy about that occurred in the last three or two weeks and to begin reflecting on if there were challenges that came up for you and thinking about how you can let those things go as we decline, as we approach the new moon again. So what three things are you grateful for, Erica? In the past two weeks... I'm grateful for a trip to Florida to see my sister. I'm grateful for new opportunities to demonstrate my skills and knowledge in my career. And I am grateful for, I'm grateful for wrist braces that help me keep my hand not hurting because I've got De Quervain's tendinitis and my new computer-based job is making it flare up again. So I'm grateful for things that can help with that. Nice. I am grateful for family visiting me in Florida and doing adventures with me and my husband. And I'm grateful for new beginnings because Mumbles Academy is bare bones and being built from scratch as we speak. And I am grateful for tea. I'm always grateful for tea, (laughs) particularly Earl Grey tea. And is there anything that you're planning to release during the waning half of the cycle? Um, I am releasing old grudges. That's a good one. I am releasing expectations, my own and other people's. That's also a good one. Now we want to hear from you. So if you go to witchwanderer.com, you'll find our latest game. This week, we want to know if you could only use one type of crystal for the rest of your life, what would it be? What would yours be, Erica? Man, I don't know. I don't know crystals very well, but I, I'm a huge fan of anything orange. What's this one? It looks like carnelian. I like carnelian. I don't know what it does, though. Creativity, boldness, uh, confidence. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good one for me. All right. Well, I'm going to go the practical route and choose clear quartz because it is an all-purpose crystal, so you can use it for anything. (laughs) (laughs) Good. So that is everything for this episode. Before we go, let's just talk about our card for next week. So throughout this week, we we are go- Erica and I are going to be looking for stories related to the Two of Cups, which is a card of relationships, connections, partnerships, and attraction. It's all about moving toward one another and creating a connection, a, like a merger. It's about romantic love as well as friend platonic love and it's about bonds that can be formed between two or more people with that bond there's always this like mutual understanding there's harmony and also about the forgiveness that sometimes has to occur when two people or more people are in a 
partnership of some kind that, you know, there might be some sort of tiff or, or issue and how people can reconcile and forgive one another. So we also invite you all listeners to look for these stories as well and share your experiences with the two of cup um, you can send us a voicemail to we listen at talkwitchcraft.com and we will play those on the show next week if we get any yay <laughs> you can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 025. Join us next week when we talk about magical protections. Make sure you subscribe so that you are notified about each new episode. To help other witches find this show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Mumbles and Things and join us in the Mumbles Academy to talk about this episode with other witchy folks.